Well, welcome to the Leadership Show, episode number two. Yeah, we've got one out. We have got a special guest with us today, Mark Oliver. It's great to have you here. That's good to be here. Talk a bit of uh, federal politics with Mark after the election. And uh, my co-host, Brad Smith, welcome. How are you, mate? I'm very well. Thanks for having me and thanks for joining us, guys. It's great. It's really good. So we're going to talk a bit about the election, a bit about the last podcast I did, which was with Lyle Shelton, who's been very involved in uh, Australian politics and uh, the culture wars over the years. We're going to watch a clip from him and discuss that and then finish off with a little bit about simplicity. That's my uh, leadership lesson for the month around mm. the freedom of simplicity, which I'll explain later on. So, But first, Mark, you had your 10th anniversary. Yes, we did. Last week. We did. It was 10th anniversary plus three months thanks to our COVID cancellation. <laughs> yes. Standard. So, Standard. Yes, it was meant to be in March. The weather would have been much nicer in the Yarra Valley, but yeah, we copped a late, late May. Good, good. And so tell us, what's it like being a husband? A husband? After t- I haven't really <laughs> known much. Cut to the chase. Well, Your wife will probably watch as yeah, well. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's great. Uh, <laughs> but a husband, yes, a husband of 10 years now. Uh, we've got three kids. Yeah. So eight, five, and almost two. Yeah, well. But yeah, so it can be in pretty intense at times. But uh, yeah, it's been, it was amazing just being able to get away for the weekend uh, with just the wife. Uh, and we spent most of our time just chatting about what had happened over the last 10 years and oh, where really? we think it's going from here. That's good. Yeah. So reflective. Yeah. Yeah, so good. whenever we go on our anniversaries, this is a bit intense, but uh, <laughs> whenever we go out for hours, we always have that chat. Like, where are we? Where have we come from? Where are we? And like, what improvements for the next kind of 12 mm. months? It's very much in love and graciousness and that but yeah we do a little do a little review i like i'm it. sure brad does how long have you been married for my wife will review me <laughs> yes that's right no actually we got a we've been married i think three and a half years wow. um and uh yeah so we're going away this weekend actually oh really oh, yeah, nice. we've, got a, we've booked a weekend at red hill just down the road oh, so i love it no good. phones uh we do our oh, no 12, phones yeah, 12 week goals wow. and financial year Goals. Wow. Big goals. review. So, yeah. So. Full review. So, you've got a SWOT analysis that happens yeah, as well. I think so. Well, Mads is a actually danger consultant <laughs> to review their marriage. <laughs> so, yeah, I'll, um, yeah, my net promoter score I'll receive from my wife. No, I actually do that on a daily basis with my wife. I'll give her a score out of 10 at the end of the night just before we go to bed. Yeah. So. How does that go down? Yeah. Go uh, you're hilarious while you're here with the boys. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So shout out to Zoe, but yeah. Hey, babe. Now we, now we know where all the dislikes on the videos are coming yeah, from. Exactly. So, no, it's really good. But we're, uh, so we're 12 years uh, in July. Yeah. So about a month away, 12 years. Yeah. Good on you. Far out. Yeah, which nice. is exciting. So you were at my wedding. Yes. You weren't at my wedding. Uh, my wife was. Oh, your wife was? Yeah. yeah. And I did your wedding. You did. Yeah. And I was in your you wedding. You were in my party. wedding party, yeah. <laughs> there you go. So. <laughs> Alright, before we finish, what's the one best thing about being a husband? Oh. Ooh, the best thing about being yeah, a husband. Yeah, what's the best thing or favourite thing or I think for me it's well, I know it's gonna sound corny, but we were actually talking about it on our time away. It's being together with my best friend. Mm, and and just being able to share and do life and create and an awesome legacy for our kids together. Mm. Yeah, mm. I love that. That's good. I was going to say co-building. Like as a as a couple, we're building something. Our family, the things we do. We, I love the building side of having a partner and yeah. the choice side of love. Yeah, yeah, it's good. Mm. Yeah, I think for me, it's um, 
I've always loved about marriage over the 12 years is uh, everyone that might hate you out there, but you come home and one person <laughs> likes you. <laughs> That's a good point. It's like this safe, and I know it's being a bit traumatic, but it's that safe place of like there's one person that at the end of the day will see the best in you yeah. or yeah. will be on your side or will assume that you were wronged. And, you know, because life's hard and difficult and challenging, but to come home to kind of a safe place and a safe relationship where you're always loved unconditionally. My wife might not like me all the time, every <laughs> moment of the day, but she loves me unconditionally. So that's, that's good. Beautiful. We might I love that. drop a bit clip in from Zoe. And just yeah. do <laughs> I might do a fact check. <laughs> <laughs> all right, the second segment today, we're going to talk about the federal election, and that's why we have Mark Oliver here. Five years of uh, experience uh, in politics, uh, especially in the uh, state here of Victoria. Maybe give us here a quick quick, like 30 second, um, have you been involved in politics? How did you get involved in politics? What did yeah. you do exactly? Uh, so my role in politics over the last five years uh, has been as uh, the senior advisor to a couple of different politicians, both mm-hmm. with uh, minor parties mm-hmm. uh, in state, the state upper house in right. Victorian Parliament. Fantastic. And you've just stepped out of that, haven't you? Yeah, stepped out of that in Feb, so yeah. only a few months ago. That's great. So love it. it. It's interesting. I always love finding someone who's in the inner workings of politics, mm. so mm. not a media commentator, yeah. but I've got a few thoughts on questions for you. Oh, okay. yeah, great. Some, great. Some inner workings. Well, then maybe give us your opinion, Mark. What's your synopsis on the federal election we've just had? Well, I guess a couple of things. Uh, it wasn't really a surprise to most people, um, but it wasn't, I suppose, the big swing that people have, have talked about. It wasn't a swing to Labor as much as it was a swing away from Liberals. So mm. Not many people know that Labor actually got less votes this election than mm. the last election. They picked up a couple of extra seats, yes, but um, they've just scraped in, much like the Liberals just scraped in in last time. But both parties saw less votes go to them. Mm. So what, what's going on there? What's happened? Well, big swings towards not as much the minor parties, but independence, which is mm. something that we've experienced in Victoria for, for many years now with yep. a lot of our uh, seats in the lower house going going to independent candidates and a lot of people that are on platforms that are around the environment, uh, culture at that time, uh, uh, yeah, that are standing as people who are that, that alternative to the major parties which people are clearly getting, getting mm. sick of. Mm. Mm. What are your thoughts, Brad? Yeah, it's interesting. Um, like the strategy side of things wows me to mm. think that both parties got less votes, especially Labor got less votes. That's not the, the news that I heard. Mm. That's that's um, something that, yeah, it's a detail. How does the strategy side of this work? I want to know from, from a, um, I don't know, like the inner workings, like how does Labor win? It's not a surprise, but they got less votes. Mm. Yeah, well, it, it's... Pretty obvious that it wasn't that Labor won, but it was that the Liberal Party lost. Mm, okay. So, and it was it's. I'd compare it a lot to remember Kevin O seven, mm. where that was pretty much the entire platform was yeah. that you've had Liberals for a long time. It's time for a change, mm. and um, that that tended to, to be a lot of Labor's campaign again this time was yeah. that we need a change. That you've got to be sick of what's going on. That. Um, and it became a lot about sound bites and grabs and how that people portrayed in the media. Like many of you would have heard the constant ads about Morrison saying, it's not my job, it's not my job. Yeah. yeah. But it was true. None yeah. of that 
yeah. that he was mentioning was his job, dealing with fires in Victoria. He can't do anything. Mm, yeah. Dealing with hospitals, yeah. uh, staffing, he can't really do much yeah. on that. Yeah. But um, yeah, a lot of it tended to be who could um, portray themselves the best mm. in the media. It's mm. interesting, isn't it? That because. Like, if you really think about it, it's not a huge crisis, those sound bites, but mm. you don't really think about that until you stop and reflect. Yeah. You catch the bite, kind of catch the vibe they're yeah. putting. It's but just that, storytelling, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. It's just the stories that's being sold, and it's yeah. emotive, mm. and, you know, it's not really intellectual, it's, but people follow stories and mm. feelings. They don't tend to follow facts or, mm. you know, intellectualised yeah. things. We don't have time to really yeah. sit down and think about mm. it. People are too busy, they don't know enough. So it's interesting. I think the sad thing with that, though, is then running our country, like leading our country, all comes down to this game of yeah. you know, storytelling and advertising mm. and marketing. And I think that's the sad thing and, and true. I mean, this whole podcast show is about leadership, but the true um, character of leadership and depth of leading a people and a nation kind of gets lost to this pop culture type you know, mudslinging game. And I think, I think, do you think, Mark, that's why people are a bit sick of that stuff made with the major parties and then they're looking for something different in the independence? Yeah, well, the, 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 it's amazing because we are seeking that integrity that we used to have with the leaders of the past, the leaders in the 90s, early 2000s from both major parties. Mm. But we're just not getting it. Like one of the first things our new Prime Minister, Anthony Albanese, said was he's going to bring... Uh, get rid of the muck mm. in politics. Mm. But the first thing that came out when the new lead, Liberal leader was about to be announced was one of his politicians in his party on his front bench comparing them to one of the most evil characters in books, which was Voldemort in <laughs> Harry wow. Potter. And it's just, well... And that, that's the sort of thing that people see through quite yeah, quickly. Yeah, yeah. So it's yeah. a lack of integrity and yeah. authenticity, yeah. And a force to have to play that yeah. game. It's interesting that we're on a leadership show here and we've talked about politics, but we've had to talk about the perception of the person, mm -hmm. not their actual leadership skills. And mm. yeah. I think that's an interesting point because like, we've talked about um, on other shows about how one of the keys to leadership is effective communication. And it sounds like ScoMo, for example, hasn't had a chance to really have his proper leadership challenged it's been the perception of parts of his leadership mm. but but then you'd probably almost argue that that is his leadership mm. yeah fair point because yeah. um for for a long time whenever things were happening with scott morrison he would often get bad press when he was out yeah and about um because he wouldn't know how to engage or things weren't set up mm. properly for him but then that that you can't blame yeah. the people under you like it could be quite easy to blame his advisors that hadn't yeah. prepped him hadn't set up the areas properly uh like with the same thing with Al anthony albanese when he didn't know the data mm -hmm. of the questions but mm -hmm. but that also shows the, mm -hmm. the leadership and mm -hmm. it all the buck has to always stop with with the leader it's a great point. And you think about that as well. Like, it's not my job to hold the hose. Like, yeah. don't say it. Yeah. <laughs> it could be a fact, but let the presenter say it, not the man. Mm. No, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. You, you wouldn't have heard that from the old, the mm. leaders of old. No. Mm. They would have taken that time to pause, think, how am I meant to respond here? But it, because of those, that sound, but it's almost like the leaders feel that if they pause for a few seconds, they're done. So mm. they have to just be on the go constantly, worried about what other people are thinking. Mm. Interesting. Did you pick up any, um, like, looking through the leadership lens, did you notice anything leadership-wise about either of the major leaders this season? 
I don't know. I just, I just find it so hard to really get what they're on about. Yeah. yeah because of the sound bites and the news. Yeah. And I, I mean, we don't really get news anymore, do we? Yeah. Like, we just get opinions, mm-hmm. whether it's major yeah. news channels, whereas it's your yep. favourite you, mm-hmm. YouTuber or cultural commentator yeah. podcast you listen to. Like, we're all just getting opinions yeah. and uh, relative kind of truths from whoever's, you know, bo- and that's the sad thing today. Um, but I think, I don't think there's any point complaining about that. We've got to learn to uh, live. Uh, to lead, to do politics in this kind of new uh, culture of technology and mm. 24-7 news cycle and that. I, I, yeah. I feel like without being a, uh, you know, without trying to predict the future, like I just feel like we're just not, we don't know yet. Mm. Like we're in this kind of like transition period still, I think a lot with technology mm. and then all these, the way that we live and then and what, what are the new generation of leaders that are going to rise out of that? I think, mm. you know, I, I wouldn't be as bold as to like predict but I think, I think there's going to be some kind of new leader rise out of this. And, and I think the principles, the enduring principles and values of, of leadership, things like integrity and character and being a man of your word and all those things, have got to, have got to re-emerge again. But they've got to re-emerge in a new way for a new generation. Even democracy across the world, like it's, it's very tense. What's going to emerge out of this? And there's a lot of fear that what's going to emerge is trouble and deterioration and Russian Russian forces taking over the world or who knows what China doing whatever but I don't think so I think I think that what will reemerge is, is 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 a new kind of leader but it's got to come back to the principles of leadership and you've got to be prepared I suppose as a politician that if you're going to live by those principles you're probably not going to become prime minister or you might not yep. be able to get too yeah. far because you can't if you live by those principles you don't play politics and that's no. probably only going to get you so far so you've got to be comfortable with that limitation as well. Mm. I mean, I think that's what I see in all of this is are the, the major leaders, the major parties, are they comfortable just going as far as their character will get them or do they take that next step of ambition and selfishness and game? And mm. It seems a bit that way. Yeah, mm. yeah it's, it's much the next step will be those who are under the, the figurehead leader, mm. that that'll be what really um, propels a political party into into governance mm-hmm. with the next election and beyond because at the moment both parties are constantly looking at the up-and-coming leaders under them trying to manoeuvre mm-hmm. it so that they don't get taken out. So, yeah. And one example happened, I think it was today or yesterday, with Tanya Plibersek. Mm-hmm. She didn't get the education portfolio, which was one of the big, mm-hmm. big three or four portfolios. They put her down to environment and water and promoted someone else because everyone knows that Tanya Plibersek mm. is next in line mm. after Albanese. So mm. he's, he's wow. manoeuvring, the, instead of putting the best people in the best yeah. place, yeah. it's I've got to protect my back first mm. and then I've got to, got to lead. And you're never going to be a good leader of our whole country if you're constantly looking over your shoulder, which we've seen in Australian politics over the last yeah. 10, 12 years. Oh, it's been horrendous, hasn't it? The backstabbing yeah. and that. Mm-hmm. Do you think there's a deeper question here with democracy as a whole? Globally or in the West, democracy, how we how we run our nations, where democracy is at. You know, I, I think it, it seems like it's kind of past the tipping point now. It was like democracy was the the answer for everything, and you had America sending troops into Iraq and Afghanistan at the turn of the century because democracy. Mm-hmm. Surely everyone wants democracy. Mm-hmm. Yep. The Iraqis want democracy. We'll just come bring it, and then they'll all be like, "This is awesome." But they, it didn't happen like that. Mm-hmm. Um, do, do you think there's a? Do you think that's part of the problem? underlying all of this you know mm. yeah I, I definitely think so like if you do you, 
a bit of a research into democracy. So our our form of government is based mostly on England, but also partly the US system, um, where we have the Senate and things like that in mm -hmm. place. But um, our Western democracy was built off lords, so mm -hmm. people who already had high standing in their area. That and most of them, they didn't. None of them got paid to be a politician. Mm. They were in there because that was their responsibility. Mm. They go in there to look after the people in their land mm. that they were the lord over. Mm. Um, but now we've got people that are in there. Most have had a little bit of background in a few things, but many of politicians that we see in there today actually have been in my role. They've just mm. been an advisor yeah. ever since they they've been in politics all their life. They've never really led. Yeah. in the community so they don't when we're asking why aren't mm. why don't they show leadership because they've only ever had to lead a small team mm. and do things like that and it's 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 a it is a job whereas yeah. our democracy western democracy is built on it being uh, a expectation that you mm. would lead and lead well mm. so kind of losing you might be you, maybe you're saying they were kind of losing the servant leadership aspect yeah. of it it's become a career and a job rather than a a privilege and an honour to serve, mm -hmm. you know, my people or represent my people. So it's lost that heart and yep. passion kind of bit. Yeah, which is, which is a really interesting point. And I think there's a lot of great leaders out there, but why would those great leaders of, and captains of inter, industry and brilliant thinkers, why would you want to go and yeah. be in the, you know, the Labor Party or the Liberal Party? Oh, it's an interesting You earn more money, that. you're a better leader, you have more influence yeah. in other spheres. So, mm -hmm. sorry, what were you going to say? Oh, I was just thinking about that with, like, I don't know politics intricately, but they put Peter Dutton up as the leader of the Liberals. I was thinking surely they could get someone who's famous, charismatic, gentle with their words, looks amazing, represents the value system of their party, and then they could have their hardcore politicians behind that. It's, yeah. That just fascinates well, me. Well, they Why could have that, but they, they don't want that in neither party. Neither party really want that. Both, both parties have some amazing people in there. One that comes to mind, uh, which you guys might have heard about in the Liberals, Andrew Hastie. He's a phenomenal man over in WA, and, but he's a man of integrity, he sticks to his word, but he's never played the political game, so he'll never get promoted. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you just have to hope that someone like that gets promoted into a front bench role that he can really handle his department well. Because yeah. most, most of the issues that you see in society today that we're wondering why, why aren't governments and government departments fixing, it's because once these ministers get into those roles, many of them, it is just a job, it's just a paycheck, so mm -hmm. I don't want to ruffle the feathers too much, so they end up just getting run by their department. Mm -hmm. Their department says, okay, these are the things we want to do, and they'll just tick and flick, mm -hmm. and that's it. And that's kind of what I was saying before, is, is, is the deeper problem actually yep. democracy, the way we're running nations in that sense. Mm -hmm. like, you know, the, the, and there's obviously a problem there if the people getting paid mm -hmm. don't have the, uh, the impetus or... or the desire or the accountability is probably a better word yeah. to actually really fix things and better things and you know you're just not going to get the best results mm. which is funny because i'm pretty sure you wouldn't employ someone in your little business mm. yeah if they were just getting a paycheck and not ruffling feathers well, and yeah people the running the country yeah it's different it's yeah. very hard in business you know every day if you've added value to the market yeah. or not to every moment you know if you but the political side but my question, especially for you, Mark, is do you encourage people to get into politics? Like, mm, we've got leaders watching people who are 
What's your encouragement? It's hard to do that though. I've met in my time, I've met with a number of um, key businessmen that would make phenomenal politicians. But again, like you say, the, these are guys and women that I've met with that would have to take pay cuts of between 60 to 80% of yeah, their yeah. pay to come in and any of these, I've mm. seen a number of them go for pre-selection with mm. both parties and get knocked out mm. before they even get put up because people are scared that they'll then come in and potentially take over. You're not going to have a situation like in the US because it's a different system where you have someone like Trump who's a businessman that can just come in, get the votes to become president because we don't elect our prime minister like that. Our yeah. prime minister is the leader of the party. Yeah, yeah, so it's different. So they, they're always someone who's established within the party. For you to have someone drop in and become prime minister, it's just impossible. Mm. So the person who's watching and goes, just voting's not enough, they want to do something. Do they, what, do you lobby? Do you join the party? Do you, like, yeah. that confuses me. Or I is don't it, know what or is it? I think my question is, well, yeah. is it even that sector? Mm. That sphere of culture, if you like, mm. is it even really worth putting a lot? I mean, yes, it, yes, it is. Yeah. You know, for the right people, but like, is it? I, I wonder if, if again, because of the news cycles and technology, mm. and we're all like, we all know what's going on in American politics now. That's a very new thing yeah. in the last decade. Mm. You know, we're all like, you know, have so much information. I think, and, and everything's so politicised. It's mm. almost like we think we're well, the only way for the world to change is through politics, yeah. but that's just not true. No. Because straight away, you look at the entertainment industry, that's way more influential yeah. than politics Great on point. how people think. Mm -hmm. yeah. An athlete can stand up and say some rubbish and everyone believes it. Mm -hmm. yep. you know, so like, I think you'd actually look at where real education, educating mm -hmm. children, teenagers, young adults in universities and schools and that, I mean, that's, you know, you, you're, you're drumming things into kids there all through their formative years. That's way more influential. Mm -hmm. So little hearts and little minds, you know. It's way more influential than it's politics in shaping a human being. Mm. These kind of institutions. So is politics even the right place? Sorry, anyone out there who wants to get into that. <laughs> <laughs> I think no, you ask that because yeah, it's not all about politics. Yeah. No, I think that's that's definitely true because like I've been I've been on the receiving end of the emails and the phone calls and the lobbying. Yeah. And it doesn't change anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but when a politician meets with someone who is a leader in their field, mm -hmm. that changes stuff. Okay. Because the politicians asking them, because they don't have the answers. Mm -hmm. So the, the Minister for Education in almost every state has no experience in yeah, education, yeah. just as an, as, as an example. <laughs> but they'll sit down and meet with like a Jay McTai or someone like that who has influence in education and has been establishing mm. these different education models. And they'll sit them down and say, how do we, what you do works how can we roll that out yeah, everywhere? Yeah. Yeah. Rather than having an advisor under them say, you should do A, B, C. Yeah, yeah. So if we it's had more people leading their, yeah. in their field mm -hmm. and promoting that and making the most of that, then the politicians would be coming to them mm -hmm. and not the other way around. Mm. So I think it's a great leadership lesson in that because you look at whatever your field is, your sector is, if you can specialise as mm. much as possible, the more focus you can give whatever you're doing in your career, yeah. the more specialist you can become, mm -hmm. the less things you'll be involved in, mm. but that specialisation can put you in a position to actually speak into something yep. really well because you are an expert, highly experienced, mm. spent decades on something. And I think 
yes, we all want to be the pop star and the famous person that can do anything or say anything, but that's, you know, the, the 1%, yeah. less than 1%. I think we're, as a normal average Joe, what's something that you can commit your life to, yeah. that you can learn to do well, become a brilliant at this, and then maybe one day you'll have a chance to talk to someone that can use that or you'll influence in your field or you'll change something dramatically. And I think that that's, that's an aim as a leader, you know, focus. I like that. So yeah. it would be my encouragement. Focus. I remember your whiteboard quote, quote, focus is when Colin and Calendar meet. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. yeah. It's confronting, isn't yeah. it? <laughs> she calendar, uh, reflect your call. Yeah. Yeah. It's good. good. Alright, maybe let's move on. Is that alright? You got anything yeah. to say? No. Yeah. Um, so the next bit we've got is uh, Lyle Shelton. I did a podcast with him. We, we just released that a few weeks ago. And uh, he's been involved in politics, more from the kind of Christian side of politics, you might say. Uh, he, was, he led the no vote for same-sex marriage, probably what he's most famous for. And so if you've, if you've uh, watched or listened to my podcast, I talk about him being possibly the most hated man on the internet because <laughs> he's got some flack. Like if you look him up online, man... I probably came out of some of the same-sex marriage stuff, but a uh, really interesting guy. Uh, he was involved in New South Wales politics a little bit recently with the uh, Christian Democratic Party. Is that right, Mark? Yeah, CDP. Yeah. Uh, but he didn't. He was going to take over there from Fred Nile, uh, who's retiring after like 40 years or something. Yeah, and uh, but that all got screwed up and stuffed up in politics, and he didn't end up getting the leadership of the party. And uh, apparently he's just taken over... Uh, family first who are looking to resurrect yeah, the themselves. National yeah. yeah. Do you know any more about that? It's still very early days. Very pr- early. Give us a scoop. <laughs> <laughs> so who was the Family First yeah. party? So the Family First party was mostly based out of um, South Australia. It had been everywhere. That had a number of members in Parliament uh, a couple of Parliaments ago in their mm. State Parliament. Um, they had a bit of momentum for They a did. They did. They had a, a fair That's bit of momentum. That's the only party I helped hand out there you go. Stuff on a booth about yeah. eight years ago. Okay. Yeah, they, they, they were at the precipice of really getting close and then um, Tony Abbott got elected and they backed off a little. Um, but then not long after that, um, Cora Bernardi came along with Australian Conservatives and they folded into the Australian Conservatives. Oh, that's what yeah. happened. So yeah. essentially everyone jumped into that yeah. and then that fell apart yes. in like two seconds. Yeah, 12 months or so. Yeah, it was quite so interesting, isn't yeah. it? Because yeah. you were a little bit involved early days, hoping that that could be something that yeah, you well, could get involved in. Well, the it. politician I work for, she went over oh, right. over to there from the LDP, um, yeah. the Labor Democratic Party. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, again, the same thing. People looking over their shoulder, people wanting yeah. to have their own way and not really serve. and yeah. It just really came apart very quickly again. It did, it okay. did. It was all the rage. I remember it was. They were saying tens of thousands of members have signed up. And they were saying it was, it was going to be the conservative version of the Greens. Yeah. Uh, but Which you, you think there's a space for that, don't you? That's a great way to pitch it. Well, conservative. Now we've got 20 or so. Yeah. This last election, there was about 15 to 20 mm. minor parties, but then independence on top of that. Yeah. Right. It's just disjunct. Disjunct. Yeah. yeah. So let's just watch this uh, two-minute clip. He talks about truth because he's been involved, uh, as he says on the podcast, in the uh, culture wars, if you like, uh, for 20 years. And he talks about truth and speaking truth into that environment. Truth has to be contended for. And um, the Bible is, is full of that. It says, speak the truth in love. And um, mm. sometimes the truth, you know, and, and as you said, you know, I, I would be the first to say, you know, I 
perhaps haven't always lived up to that high standard and sometimes you get it wrong you get your nuances wrong but in essence um i think you know the role of christians is to speak truth into society the church is meant to be the pillar and ground of truth and um we, we as christians haven't abandoned the notion that truth exists uh, our postmodern society says there is no such thing as truth um your truth is my truth and whatever um you know let's all kumbaya together and of course it doesn't work it makes a big fat mess and so the church's role is to um help society know the truth of course jesus says he is the truth the way the truth and the life and uh, i believe ultimate truth is found in knowing christ but i don't expect everyone to have that revelation but there are empirical things that we know in the way the world is ordered uh, that uh, we can point our fellow citizens to uh, about the way things work, whether it's you know the biological reality of marriage, um, you know, social science points to you know Christian family uh, as as being the best for human flourishing. All there's lots of incontrovertible evidence out there, and uh, we need to be people who who um, speak that. And if you don't speak it, uh, you leave a vacuum. And my great concern is that the church has left a big vacuum particularly uh, in our generation and others have filled it with lies and we're now reaping the whirlwind so um yeah. th th this is why i'm passionate about these things yeah it's a great video i love hearing lyle in a long format so that was yeah. a snippet from a, what an hour podcast mm -hmm. probably and i think it's so good to hear any view whether you agree with their view or not to hear long format, because I've seen much more of Lyle in the media, which you hear him, they take a snippet of what he stands against, yeah. where here he talked about how we have the truth and the church should be the pillar or the bedrock of truth and mm. speak truth. And I think mm. that's an incredible point and in how he talks about the science and the bio mm. biology and that there's empirical evidence for truth yeah. in yeah. Christ even though he doesn't expect everyone to have a revelation of Christ. Yeah. I think it's incredible that he explains truth in such a plain Jane way, really. Yeah. Well, I mean, the, the, the funny thing is, the ironic thing is, uh, you know, science as we know it, like he refers mm. to science in that clip, it, it came out of theology. So, yeah. you know, uh, Christian people like Isaac Newton back in the 17th century, whenever he was, for them they called it natural law. It was natural law, and that's an element of theology where you yeah. look at creation, you look at, you know, we know that the world is basically just mathematics, equations, and, and things can be measured, and um, that science is looking at repeatable, measurable things in creation. It's natural law. It's like an element of theology. Yeah. And then out of that came the whole scientific method and science and whatever. So that's kind of what he's appealing to. He's not saying... Like we, there's there's certain ways that we sing songs at my church, and that's the yeah. truth. Like, and a lot of people, maybe average Aussie, thinks yeah. that that's what a Christian might mean. Yeah, truth is the way that Christians dress, and so everyone should dress like that. Mm. But it's but this is not what I mean at all. It's like, well, the truth, as in, there's a natural truth. Mm. You know that we believe God, the Creator of the universe, is behind, and that's the same God that sent Jesus, and He created it all. So when we're saying science, we're saying yeah, science within that our our, our religious mm. beliefs sitting behind that is God the creator of the universe. Now, whether you believe that or not, there's still natural science. Mm. And you've got to ask the question of, well, who put it there? And how yeah, did it become point. so mathematical? Why does it all make such mm. sense? You know, it's a very rational world that we live in. Everything makes sense in that, in that way. But then for us, it's, yeah, it's, 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 that mm. extends into Jesus. Mm. And Jesus said he was the way, the truth, and the life. That mm. Jesus died and rose from the dead. So it's like you've got to think about what he said then. If he rose from the dead, you've got to consider... Mm. Okay, if he said he's the truth and then this dude came back from the dead, like, 
is there more to it than just a you know some religious thing that you can easily disqualify? So. I like yeah. that. I like that Great he talks point. about the bedrock of truth. Mm. You know, one of the biggest things that I get when I talk to my mates about Christ or they say that I'm a Christian is that they think they might say, oh, I believe in science or yeah. I'm a man of, of, I don't know, like practicals or something yeah, like yeah. that. But actually, if we cut to the truth, you know, the creator of the universe, all of these universal laws line up with him. Exactly and right. I think that's really interesting that as a Christian, you can follow science and believe yeah. in Christ. Really well, and this point. is this is the big postmodern lie mm. story, whatever that people fall into, where, where, where mm. they wrongly mm. uh, pit pit uh, Christianity or religion against science. Yeah, this is not true at all. And any Christian mm. worth their salt um, mm. believes completely in the scientific mm. method and what we call science. This is a big lie of postmodernism. It's it's that that's that's not the equation. It's not that you're rational and we do spiritual stuff. Yeah. You know, it's 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 actually um, the, the thing people are getting sucked into is that all truth becomes a feeling or an emotion or pursuit of pleasure, which is really just hedonism, not just we actually live in a culture where we're encouraged to be an expressive individual who does whatever they want and then what they want that's pleasurable they can continue to do and nothing should stand in the road of that as long as not hurting someone else. And that's the lie of postmodernism. It's like, well, you're not going to find truth in that. Mm. You're going to find feeling and pleasure and um, things that feel nice for a while. But, you know, as a, as a human being, I think there's a higher calling. Mm. What's the truth? You know, I can have a whole bunch of sex and some of it feels good or whatever, but, like, what's the truth of the body, sex, mm. male, female, marriage? Like, what's actually the point mm. of these things? And it's the deeper questions. Like, is there a purpose to these things? Or is it just pleasure and then I die? Yeah, so interesting. I think that's a great leadership question. Even before I was a, a Christian, one of the big things that we would do anytime I wanted to go and do something is start to ask, like, what's the ultimate design of this? Yeah. Like, what's even the laws of, for me, I was very obsessed with business and wealth creation and that stuff. Like, what are the ultimate designs of these mechanisms? Mm. And mm. Um, you talk about marriage and, like, what's the ultimate design? And I, I love what Lyle brings back to Christ as the bedrock of truth. Yeah, yeah. And we find in him and in the Word of God, the Bible, the, the ultimate design. Exactly. I don't think people should give Jesus a go. Mm. If he said he's the ultimate truth, mm. why not give him a go and, like, at least read about him in the Bible in Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, mm. the stories about him? Yeah. He's the most uh, well-researched, um, you know, empirically, uh, <laughs> empirical evidence, if you want that. Like, he's, yeah. from, from all of antiquity, he's, we have the most information mm -hmm. about Jesus Christ of Nazareth more mm -hmm. than anyone by, like, a thousand mm -hmm. times. It so gives, why wouldn't you have a little look at him and, and just actually mm -hmm. learn a bit about him? I love that. It gives me so much confidence hearing guys like Lyle and even us chatting to be able to question and challenge and have, like, the truth of things no one's trying to protect that. Yeah. Everyone's saying, ask these questions, challenge these things, yeah. and you'll end up at Christ. Mm. Where do you think, I think the interesting thing watching that clip is, mm. well, let's say Lyle's right, let's say as Christians we're right and Jesus mm. and whatever, but where, where has Christianity or the church misrepresented itself? Let's say mm. we're right. Mm. Why are we in a pickle, a PR problem? <laughs> You're a PR guy. Like, why... Is there the misunderstanding? I think because at every touch point, if you're not a, if you're not truly seeking Christ and you're not truly seeking a, a relationship with your Creator, or even just asking those questions, mm. every touch point with a Christianity publicly is about what we don't stand for. Okay. Yeah. What we stand against, what we don't do, what we mm. abstain from, all those things, rather than speaking 
the yeah. truth and the vision of what Christ has offered yeah. us and where calls us and, and the authority that he gives us that we can be so weak but so strong and all mm-hmm. these things. And um, yeah. That's a really good point. I, th- I think you're right. I think, mm-hmm. And I think Christians have fallen into that same trap. I think Christians are often 20, 30 years behind where the cultural conversation is at. So when the cultural conversation comes up, whether it's, you know, same-sex marriage or LGBT or euthanasia or whatever, um, at those moments we fall into the trap of being against things. And we talk in the tones of we're against things and whatever. I think, Lyle, you saw it really quickly in that clip where he kind of said, look, I believe the truth and the church should be truth. But I don't expect everyone to have that revelation yeah. of Jesus and not everyone will and not everyone does and, and that's okay. And I think that's for me where Christians have missed it over mm. the years is they talk as if the person they're talking to should should believe and understand all the tenets of their mm. faith. Like there's there's been possibly a lack of, of grace or a lack of empathy in, in, in just mm. like you're talking to the not converted. Yeah, interesting. So you've got to show yeah. some grace. Like loyalty brilliantly there, yeah. but I don't expect everyone to believe that and that's fine. But I'm allowed to say what I think, mm. you know. So it's really like I even think about myself talking to my mates and stuff. It, it's really hard when issues get brought up. And mm. I've got the most diverse group of mates. Like it's it's hilarious. Yeah. Like the the cross section of demographic, that, yeah. especially my schoolmates. But I get drawn into the temptation of defending my faith mm. Mm. more than I share just the love of Christ. Yeah. And I would think that at times my mates think that I want to get them saved because and want them to come to Christ because I get some special bonus from, you know, <laughs> from getting them or from, you know, sharing some my Christmas faith time. or something, which is not true at all. It's a total false. But, yeah, it's, I'm really reflecting on that a lot. That's what does good. it look like as a Christian man in an incredibly secular environment? Yeah. Um, and how do we... You know, share the kingdom of God, yeah. expand the kingdom of and, God, and navigate the culture yeah. without it um, deteriorating into a culture war. Yeah, <laughs> just navigate it, like you know, mm. the culture wars are going to happen, but we don't mm. need to be contributing to the mm. to the angst or the pain. We we should, as Christians, be a source of freedom and hope mm. and and ref, refreshment mm. and, and and a place for a good conversation. So I love that. It's good. It's good to hear opinions on, on opinions on it, mate. So. Also love to hear in the comments. Well, this is a really interesting mm. topic to talk about truth in culture. Yeah. And I really see Lyle as a person who's done that well. Like you said, yes. he's probably the most hated guy on the internet. <laughs> but how do, how do you deal with that? Um, I'm interested to hear yeah. people's thoughts and opinions on mostly your friendship groups. Yeah. It's, it's interesting to talk one-on-one. I find okay. I really mm. don't have too many issues when I talk about my faith mm. one-on-one. Mm. But when I talk truth... To my group of mates, say the dozen of us, mm. it's difficult to um, <laughs> share the truth in love. And I'd love to hear your thoughts. It's great. So the final thing I wanted to share uh, is a bit of a leadership lesson for the month. Love it. Uh, so I've called this one the freedom of simplicity. So I know we all love minimalism. You and well, Madeline I'm are a married bit, into minimalism. <laughs> Apparently, I'm a hoarder. <laughs> My wife, she's a brilliant minimalist. So that's probably you know culturally that probably uh, uh, is a stake for people to understand or a hook. But in in the Christian world, it goes even deeper than that. It's something that Jesus practiced. It's something that uh, Christians, especially uh, monks and really devoted uh, Christians, have practiced for the last. Uh, 2,000 years, and I think it is amazingly powerful leadership principle in our current climate because we're just surrounded by this uh, wanting, rushing, buying type environment. 
and, and this consumeristic materialism type world that we live in, yeah. where m- most of people's days and waking hours are spent wanting the stuff they want, yeah. they, they envy things, they want, they've got a TV, they want a bigger TV, yeah. they've got a holiday, but they want to go on the next bigger holiday. And then that leads to the buying, mm. you know, and you've got to work <laughs> to earn money, you've got to rush to earn money. Uh, so people live a very hurried life. There's this mm. thing called hurry sickness because ah. people are just moving, people feel burnt out all the time and this workaholism and all this kind of stuff. And then eventually this all rushing around ends up in the purchase. Mm. So the, the, the you know, online shopping and the going to the um, supermarkets and going to the shopping centres or whatever, and it's just this constant need. And then we, all these things become cluttered. We hoard. We have, like, 54 T-shirts and 17 <laughs> pairs of jeans. And so then, and then it all the cycle just repeats itself. Then we want other things, and then we rush around for those things and buy things. The freedom of simplicity or the, the, the principle of simplicity gives you freedom. Mm. It's actually liberation in decluttering your schedule, uh, how you use your money, uh, what you buy, yeah. your house, your closet, all that kind of thing. But what really sits, and this is the point I want to make, right? what really sits under all of this stuff mm. that makes us sick, this hurry sickness, is money. Mm. So we love money. We have to have money. And simplicity is really a rebellion mm. against the need to have grasp own, acquire more money. Yeah. That's very challenging. It's yeah. not the uh, water that we swim in. It's mm. not the culture that we have. It's everything is about money, essentially. Mm. And as Christians, Jesus said, you can't love both God and money. Mm. So we have this confronting commandment right in the middle of the Bible, yeah. straight from Jesus. You've either got to choose God as your master or mm. money, rushing, buying, hurrying, working as your master. Mm. And it's like, yeah, it's a really big challenge. So that's my leadership lesson for the month. That's simplify. Simplify your schedule. Mm. Simplify your speech. Simplify your friendships. Mm. Simplify your wardrobe. Mm. Cut things down to what you need so that you can be mm. truly free. I'll add to that as well. I'll, steal, I'll steal from you, actually. Your sermon, uh, Kayla's been doing a, a, a sermon series. And one of those, we talked about simplicity. And one of the things he said was talk about simplicity to your friends. Mm. How are they simplifying their life? And I've, I've asked my mates. I think mm. it's interesting. And pretty much no one's actually doing anything about it. Yeah. It's very difficult, not natural. But the more we get conscious, everyone has that desire. So I've been mm. asking people and myself reflecting because... Man, I suffer from hurryitis a lot and, and wantitis and growthitis. Yeah. But um, yeah, I love it. So I'd love to hear in the comments as well uh, how you simplify your life and your day and your world. Yeah, love it. Well, thank you very much for joining us on the Leadership Show. It's been great again, as always. Thank Brad, you. it was great to have Mark Oliver. So yeah. big thanks to you, Mark. Yeah. And uh, we will see you next time. See you soon. Thank you. <laughs> I trust you were impacted by that Leadership Lessons podcast. I would love to hear your thoughts about today's podcast. Please comment down below and please review the podcast and share it with a friend. Doing this inspires us and helps others to find the podcast. See you next time.